0: High COVID infection numbers continue.
1: Over the next two weeks, we need to urgently reduce the level of transmission in our province.
0: How the pandemic is playing Grinch, canceling many notable Christmas events. Struggling to adapt to new rules. There's been so much confusion around, can we stay open, can we still operate?
2: From art troops to church groups, the guidelines they say are unfair.
0: And another gaming console theft, this one caught on camera. the seller fought back
3: you're watching global bc this is global news hour at six Good evening
2: and thanks for joining us. A warning from provincial health officials today as British Columbians learn to adapt to the new rules aimed at bending the COVID-19 curve back down in our province.
0: Dr. Henry's advice to all of us, don't look for loopholes. Three days of COVID-19 numbers show we have a long way to go and more restrictions could be coming. Here are the latest COVID-19 infections covering three counting periods. B.C. has 1,933 new cases, bringing our total to 27,407. Sadly, we've had 17 more deaths, which means we've now lost 348 people to the virus. 277 people are in hospital. That's up 50. 59 of those patients are in the ICU. Just over 19,000 people are considered recovered leaving us with 7,360 active cases and 10,200 in self-isolation. As always, we'll bring in Keith Baldry for a closer look at some of the numbers, Keith, and how they break down regionally this time, too. (laughs)
4: Yes, almost 2,000 cases. It is worth looking at a breakdown regionally because it does tell a story. Among other things, it's back, the Fraser Health Authority, back being the dominant area for cases, but also the virus is starting to spread in significant numbers all through B.C. Here are the numbers and the breakdown in terms of those 1933 cases. Again, Fraser Health, 1,304. That's 67% of the cases. Vancouver Coastal, uh, 21%. Uh, Interior with 104 cases, that's starting to be a higher number. Northern Health, where there's a lot of people in hospital at 61 and vancouver island where we really haven't had covid in any great numbers until about three weeks ago and as again i showed a graphic i think on friday night the vancouver island has been up 300 percent in the last 10 days going into the weekend and you mentioned about don't look for loopholes right now dr bonnie henry addressing that point today now is not the time to find out how to do things and get around things now is the time to stand down for at least two weeks and hopefully drive this virus down in numbers here's dr henry
1: Instead of thinking, how can I find my way around this, think about your way to stop the spread. What can I do today to make a difference? And remember that we all need to show compassion and understanding and do our part to get through this leg of the race.
4: So some good advice there from Dr. Henry. Now, a word on the change in schedule for the briefings this week is going to be a difference. Uh, Usually it's Monday and Thursday. That's not the case this week. There's going to be another briefing from Dr. Bonnie Henry and Health Minister Adrian Dix on Wednesday, and then another one on Friday. More briefings as we're in this extraordinary situation with this public health order in place until at least December 7th. Hoping for that news to get better. All right. Thanks very much, Keith.
2: Well, some of the holiday plans of thousands of people are on ice tonight. After Dr. Bonnie Henry cleared up the confusion surrounding her latest public health order, all events, whether they are inside or outside, are suspended until at least December 7th. As Grace Key reports, that could mean a
5: big hit to the bottom line for some charities. It's one of the most popular holiday traditions. Lots of preparations have been put in place to ensure Bright Night's Christmas train at Stanley Park is safe during the pandemic.
3: You show up for your designated time and get on the train and go for a ride, providing it's running.
5: (laughs) Many Christmas events that were a go are now on hold during the current public health order. But for the BC Professional Firefighters Burn Fund, the event is also the biggest fundraiser of the year, generating up to four hundred twenty-five thousand dollars.
3: We get part of the train revenue too uh, when it's fully operational, so it's it's quite high actually. And, and to take that out of the um, out of the equation, um, it's it's a big hit to the burn fund. pE
5: Winter Lights takes place after the public health order but if the order is extended again it may also be shut down. The event is 100% contactless and participants never even get out of the car during the two kilometer route.
6: We believe that that is an important differentiator and that that we hope that'll be considered. Again we haven't had an official response so we'll wait until the time that we do get that make decisions. Provincial
5: Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry saying the order doesn't discriminate between indoor and outdoor events, so everything is on pause.
1: I know this has meant delaying the opening of some very um, great and well-thought-out seasonal events like the holiday train in Stanley Park and the Boucher Garden Light display, among many others, that had previously been approved across the province. Those are suspended.
5: Still, many organizers continue to hold out hope and are waiting for official word on their particular event. Grace Key, Global News.
0: And there is still a lot of confusion surrounding the latest public health order. Some business operators say their operations are being shuttered while the rules simply don't apply to other sectors with much higher risk of exposure. Richard Zussman reports.
7: This is Aaron and Kate Craven expected to perform in the play Lungs last weekend. Then, new orders came into effect.
4: Our play had to shut down before its final weekend, so we lost a bunch of performances.
7: What is so frustrating for Craven is while his physically distanced theatre was shut down, movie theatres opened over the weekend.
4: We have passed all of the uh, conditions of COVID safety plans, and I would say that a theatre is one of the safest places that people could have a community outlet indoors.
7: Dr. Bonnie Henry clarifying, movie theatres have to close along with all other event venues. But there is frustration, churches were shuttered while bar and restaurants remain open. They feed people and there's
1: many important ways that they are part of making sure that um, people can
7: get a meal. Confusion also being served up at restaurants, table dining open, but only for people in the same household or household bubble.
8: If you try to define
9: that too much, it gets too hard just use common sense.
7: Another point of confusion has been around extracurricular activities where in many cases dance schools have been able to remain open while theater schools have been left in a state of flux.
10: There seems to be such a double standard when it comes to arts organizations and physical activity organizations.
7: The CDC originally posted online all extracurricular activities banned in BC until December 7th. Physical distancing markers for all of our students. But since have removed that, Rundell saying his theater school and other organizations are happy to do their part to stop the COVID spread, but they just need clear guidance. Richard Lissman, Global News, Victoria.
2: Penticton RCMP are investigating after an anti-masker allegedly assaulted a liquor store employee. Surveillance video from the Skaha Lake Liquor Store shows an unmasked woman in sunglasses at the counter this past Saturday. The woman allegedly threatened to sue the store's owner after she was refused service. When the employee phoned his boss, he then passed his cell to the woman. She spoke with the owner. And then dropped the phone onto the floor. The store alleges she also spat on the employee several times and used racial slurs before leaving.
0: A glimpse of COVID 19 cases across the country shows record new infections are triggering more sweeping restrictions than we see here. Ontario and Alberta are logging record new cases, while the country's biggest city is now under lockdown. Aaron MacArthur reports. A quiet, eerily
9: reminiscent of the spring. With another day of record cases, the Ontario government hitting pause in Canada's largest city. A 28-day lockdown started Monday. Unless there's a drastic change in the in Toronto and Peel, I don't believe those will be changed. According to business groups, the restrictions don't make any sense. While big box stores are allowed to stay open selling essential goods, Small retail shops have been forced to close their doors. It was uh, a punch in the gut. I'm not sure it's really based in science. As bad as COVID looks in Ontario, per capita, the infection rate is running well below that of western provinces. In just the last three days, Alberta has seen more than 4,000 cases. The situation so overwhelming, contact tracers can no longer keep up with the backlog. Only the newest cases will be tracked cabinet set to announce new restrictive measures on Tuesday. It is probably too late to
7: uh, continue with with light approaches. Uh, The the higher this curve gets, the more severe the actions will have to be.
9: Manitoba announced more than 500 cases on Monday, and per capita, the province has more than double the number as any other jurisdiction. 90% of all ICU beds in the province are full, half with COVID patients.
6: We have COVID patients admitted in the pediatrics unit, in the obstetrics units, and in the mental health unit.
9: While provinces are forced to care for more sick people, businesses continue to struggle with this new wave of restrictions. The federal government today offering rent relief, expected to last into the summer of 2021. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
2: With outbreaks in B.C.'s long-term care homes now more than double the number during the first wave of COVID-19 in the spring, B.C.'s seniors advocate is adding her voice to those calling for more action. Kylie Stanton tells us why Isabel McKenzie says it's time to start using rapid testing on all LTC staff.
6: In long-term care facilities, time is of the essence. It's all been sanitized and cleaned and ready for you. But in the second wave of this pandemic, where cases are surging, residents are increasingly isolated. And for far too many, time is running out in the final months and weeks and days of their life they did not get to spend meaningful time with the ones that they love now bc's seniors watchdog is suggesting there's one thing that could help address this while keeping covid-19 at bay she's calling for all staff at long-term care facilities to receive rapid testing on a regular basis the potential benefit is that we would catch staff who are not showing any symptoms but are shedding the virus. According to data from the BC Centre for Disease Control, as of Friday, long-term care facilities have had 162 outbreaks, resulting in 1,570 COVID-19 cases. Of the 348 total deaths linked to this virus in the province, at least 205 have been long-term care residents. That's nearly two-thirds of the fatalities. We've been calling for this uh, for some time, and the earlier we can get a test result, the more likely we can prevent it from entering our homes the rapid tests are being used by nhl teams and in the movie industry where results can be produced on site within 15 to 30 minutes but they're said to be less sensitive and not quite as accurate as the gold standard nasal pharyngeal lab tests
1: it is not what is going to solve our issue um, because the tests have um, have faults and limitations. And you'd have to test everybody every day.
6: At this point, Mackenzie says she's not looking for perfection, but instead an added layer of protection, potentially allowing residents more quality time with loved ones and ultimately a better quality of life. We really have to find a way to reconnect these families in a meaningful way. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria.
0: A First Nations man and his granddaughter wrongly handcuffed during an attempt to open a bank account. Their experience is now the subject of a human rights complaint. What the 911 calls from that day show us. Next on the news hour.
2: Let the transition begin. New developments that mean Joe Biden can finally begin planning for his role as president. Coming up on the News Hour.
0: And some say she's the best premier BC never had. Carol James reflects on a lifetime of public service in an exclusive interview with Sophie coming up a little later.
2: Right now, though, human rights complaints have been filed after an indigenous man's trip to the bank with his granddaughter last December ended with the pair in handcuffs.
0: And as Catherine Urquhart reports, the Heltzik First Nation says the 911 call shows racial profiling was a factor.
11: Nearly one year after Maxwell Johnson and his 12-year-old granddaughter Tori were wrongfully handcuffed by Vancouver police at a bank Montreal, The two have filed human rights complaints.
5: I just had to do this not only for myself, but for my granddaughter. It was so hard to see her being handcuffed
12: out in the street in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. um, I'm doing it for them.
11: Last December, the Indigenous man was trying to open a bank account for his granddaughter at the Dunsmere and Burrard branch when an employee questioned their Indian status cards. Then they phoned 911 to report a fraud in progress. When officers arrived, they placed the two in handcuffs.
13: How long were you in handcuffs for? 15 to
11: 20 minutes. Newly released transcripts of the 911 call indicate the bank employee questioned the veracity of their Indian status cards, telling the 911 operator, We were told by the Indian, uh, the government to contact the police because the IDs that they have are fake and they're trying to open accounts. Their cards were not fake, although granddaughter Tori's card had one or two numbers out of place.
14: The police department, they need to acknowledge that racism plays, you know, a role in how they interact with Indigenous people before we can move forward. Maxwell
11: Johnson and Tory, both members of the Hellsig Nation in Bella Bella, have filed complaints against the VPD and the Bank of Montreal, doing so with both the BC Human Rights Tribunal and the Canadian Human Rights Commission.
12: Racism isn't something we should live with. You know, we're all we're all human beings first.
11: Vancouver Police told Global News. There is a service and policy review underway for this event. It will review the VPD's policy and operations in relation to this incident, how they were applied, and if changes are required. Bank of Montreal says, We apologized unequivocally and we do so again today. We have established an Indigenous Advisory Council, have introduced organization-wide education for all staff in Canada on Indigenous culture and history. The Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner continues to investigate possible misconduct by the officers involved. Katherine Urquhart, Global News.
0: After serving 37 years behind bars, Philip Talio is now fighting for his freedom. Back in 1983, Talio pleaded guilty to second-degree murder in the death of his 22-month-old cousin.
2: But now his lawyers are asking the B.C. Court of Appeal to consider new evidence, which they say forms the basis to
13: set aside the guilty plea. Raminadea has the details. Philip Talio's lawyers say new DNA evidence reveals the male DNA found on the little girl does not match the accused. Plus, five DNA samples were contaminated. Talio, now 54, spent 37 years behind bars for a crime he says he did not commit. A miscarriage of justice, say his lawyers. Talio was 17 years old when he pleaded guilty to second-degree murder in the death of his 22-month-old cousin, Delevina Mack. According to reports, the little girl had been sexually assaulted in a home in Bellacoola. Defense argues the testimony of two experts reveals Talio did not have the intellect to understand the gravity of pleading guilty in 1983. Defense says Talio did not comprehend he was admitting to killing the child. Statements made to psychiatrists were inadmissible, says defense, adding that Talio's counsel at the time was incompetent. Crown is expected to make submissions later this week. Romina Dea, Global News. Up next, outdoor enthusiasts
2: barred from backcountry lakes.
0: These large landowners are locking out public places for their own private entrepreneurial use.
2: The landowner battling in court to keep other users out and how it impacts access to every body of water in Canada.
0: But first, a guy who wasn't giving up his game console without a fight. The parking lot sale that went sideways.
11: Once again over this protest in East Vancouver that has the intersection of Hastings and Clark Drive completely blocked. Uh, it's an easy workaround if you're just leaving now. Head over to Powell or even First Avenue instead. From home to car insurance, BCAA's local experts are here for all your insurance needs. Visit BCAA.com. I'm Trish Jiwison in Global One, hive of a protest in Vancouver.
2: Hashcam video now being shared on social media shows the violent attempted theft of this year's must-have electronic item, a new PS5.
0: It happened on the evening of Friday, November 13th. Yes, Friday the 13th. In the Brentwood Mall parking lot, Burnaby RCMP say a man had agreed to meet there to sell the game console. When he arrived, he was confronted by a group of three men who bear-sprayed him and tried to take the PS5. But the victim, as you can see, fights back and the suspects fled. If you're buying and selling anything online with anyone you don't know, uh, be as
8: safe as you can. Uh, Yeah, obviously, this uh, seems to be something that's happening right now uh, with these consoles.
0: The new PlayStation and Xbox consoles both retail for around $600 and they are sold out in many stores, leading to a big demand and high prices for online resellers.
2: A long-standing David versus Goliath battle in B.C.'s interior has landed in the Court of Appeal.
0: For years, the Douglas Lake Cattle Company near Merritt has blocked the road to two public lakes. Local anglers won the right for access once, but they are fighting the private landowner again and the province. Ted Chernecki has more on what's at stake and how much the dispute is costing taxpayers.
3: Yes. There was so much jubilation from the public when the B.C. Supreme Court ruled in favor of the Nicola Valley Fish and Game Club and against the Douglas Lake Cattle Company. At issue was the giant cattle ranch's decision to lock out access on a public road leading to public lakes surrounded by private land owned by the ranch. Two years later, the ranch and the province are appealing that ruling.
15: The federal government, the Department of Federal Fisheries controls all water in Canada. And the provincial government is trying to say that the
0: Provincial Trespass Acts takes precedence over the federal government.
3: The West Coast Environmental Law Organization has supported the Fish and Game Club financially, arguing that access to fresh water is a constitutional right for all Canadians, and banning the public can be dangerous for the environment. If you don't see what's out there, you can't get on to it. How can you be expected to care about? it? And I think from our perspective that caring about the environment is crucial. What
15: it is is the rich landowners, they want to take the good ecosystems so they're after
0: anything that uh, produces large fish. So that, that could be like thousands of lakes in British Columbia.
3: In the 2018 ruling, the Honorable Justice Groves was especially critical of the BC government because it knew the locked gates were illegal since 1996. Greater criticism may be leveled at the province for its absolute lack of action in maintaining their property and enforcing the public good against a determined and bullying corporate entity. And Erica Stahl, then with the Environment Dispute Resolution Fund, wrote, The company obstructed a road for over 20 years and was treated with kid gloves by the province and the RCMP. We reached out, unsuccessfully, to the Douglas Lake Cattle Company for comment. In the 2018 ruling, the Supreme Court ordered that costs be shared by the province and the ranch. The legal cost for this case is well over a million dollars and counting. Ted Szenegi, Global News.
0: Up ahead, a new interim leader for the B.C. Liberals. And Carol James wraps up her groundbreaking career in politics. This is The Office. A farewell tour from a legend who spent a lifetime in public service.
2: And in health matters, a puzzling side effect of COVID-19 experts are just learning about.
11: Steady traffic both ways over here tonight at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Keep in mind, though, lane closures for overnight maintenance between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. Kermac Collision and Auto Glass have been family-run and locally owned since 1973. For unmatched quality repairs and exceptional service, choose Kermak. For location information, visit Kermak.com. I'm Trishy, with CNN Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge.
0: Breaking news late today from south of the border. While Donald Trump is still refusing to deliver a concession speech, it looks like the transition to a Joe Biden administration is going ahead.
2: The head of the General Services Administration, who had been holding up the transition, has now sent Biden a letter saying she's ready to begin the formal process. That comes just hours after the four-member elections board in Michigan voted to certify that Biden had indeed won that state, effectively giving him the state's 16 electoral votes. Earlier today, Biden announced several picks for top jobs in national security and foreign relations, including the first immigrant as head of the Department of Homeland Homeland security and the first woman as director of national intelligence he's also expected to name janet yellen as treasury secretary the first woman to hold that top job
0: Six-term MLA Shirley Bond has been chosen as interim B.C. Liberal leader, replacing the outgoing Andrew Wilkinson.
2: Bond was selected to take over the reins in a vote by the Liberals' 28 caucus members. Over the weekend, Wilkinson took to social media to announce he was stepping down after his party was soundly defeated in the October election. Bond was first elected MLA in 2001 and served as minister in a number of portfolios in successive Liberal governments.
16: I'm incredibly uh, humbled and grateful to my caucus colleagues. Uh, There's a lot of hard work ahead and uh, in the immediate short term we will wait for the announcement of the Horgan cabinet, the John Horgan cabinet, uh, and then we'll spend some time uh, working to assign critic portfolios to members of our caucus. Our primary job will be to hold the government to account.
2: The party is expected to launch a full leadership contest in the spring.
0: Now, as John Horgan's new government is ushered in this week, many retiring MLAs will be starting the next chapter of their lives, and that includes former Finance Minister Carol James.
2: Over the past 30 years, she has served as school trustee, leader of the opposition, and deputy premier. And while she's stepping away from politics, she's
16: still ready to help behind the scenes. It really has been an extraordinary, extraordinary privilege to be able to serve in these positions. Looking back, it's it's no
2: surprise Carol James ended up here. The museum at the Legislature Annex was her
16: childhood hangout, where her mom would send the kids to keep them busy during school holidays. And she'd send a group of us down to the museum and say, go learn something. Come back and tell me what you've learned. So I spent hours in the annex over there, (laughs) which I never would have imagined coming back. To the legislature uh, as an MLA. From the annex
2: to the top offices of provincial power.
16: This is is the office. How did you
2: feel the first time you walked into the finance minister's office?
16: (laughs) You would chuckle. You saw the little area out here. I thought that was my office. I didn't know there was this office.
15: James 395.
16: But there was
2: that one office that eluded her. After an internal revolt in the NDP caucus, she gave up the leadership, but she refused to give up on serving the people.
16: I give huge credit to both leaders that followed me, uh, Adrian Dix and and John Horgan, um, because both of them uh, put their egos aside and asked me to stay, uh, encouraged me to stay and be part of the team.
15: I often refer to her as the best premier BC never had. And I'm so honored to be able to appoint her as deputy premier and finance minister when I got the chance to form a government.
2: That drama seems like a lifetime ago, Today, respect for James crosses the political spectrum. She's universally admired and appreciated, especially by women.
12: There were a few times
14: when we've sat across the table from each other and exchanged looks where we knew exactly what the other person was thinking and why we were thinking it. And I enjoyed those moments that there was an ally at the table.
16: BC remains an economic leader. In
2: in her decades of public service, what's her
16: proudest accomplishment? The day John Horgan announced that we were going to give free tuition for uh, former youth in care, and I've been a foster parent for 20 years, uh, and so to see that connection of my life's work that I'd done and my family, because many of our foster kids are part of our family, um, to see that connected to the work that will benefit everybody in this province. Her family will get more of her time now that she's stepping away from public
2: office, and she plans to try out boxing part of her fight against the Parkinson's diagnosis she revealed last March but she won't disappear entirely.
16: I'm looking for a few problems to solve. Uh, I don't want to do it in a full-time way but I love problem solving. I love coming in and uh, and taking on big challenges and then being able to walk away and let someone else take on the, the rest of the work.
0: Clearly a lot of fight left in Carol James. Well, in Health Matters Tonight, encouraging new developments in the race to find a COVID-19 vaccine. Oxford University and AstraZeneca have released interim results of their vaccine. A large-scale trial shows it stops about 75% of people from developing COVID symptoms. But with some slight tweaks, there's evidence it can be up to 90% effective in some cases.
9: First of all, uh, it's a vaccine that can be... Stored at fridge temperature for longer periods. It's a vaccine that has high effectiveness in one of the dosage regimes that have been tried out. Uh, 50,000 volunteers, as just checking my notes, have been involved in developing it. And according to the reports we've, re- we've seen, there aren't major safety challenges.
0: Two other drug makers, Pfizer and Moderna, reported preliminary results last week showing their vaccine candidates to be almost 95% effective.
2: Well, among the many immediate and long-term health effects of COVID-19 is a potentially deadly symptom that often doesn't get much attention, blood clots. As Linda Ailsworth reports, St. Paul's Hospital says knowing the symptoms early can be the difference between life and death.
14: COVID-19 didn't care that Jordan Hoey was a healthy 29-year-old when it infected him back in May.
15: For the first few days, it was honestly just like heavy fatigue, some achiness and soreness,
4: and then about 10 days of pretty bad fevers and just feeling really unwell. He
14: thought he had endured the worst of it when the fever at last broke, but then a new symptom cropped up.
0: It was real scary. It was... When my mask started turning red on the inside, I
14: knew uh, knew it was time to
0: get checked out.
14: Jordan was coughing up blood. He went to the emergency department where he was diagnosed with pulmonary embolisms.
0: Pulmonary embolisms are blood clots in your lungs. And I learned that uh, they cause a lot of pain and can lead to a lot bigger issues. Blood clots can form not
14: only in the lungs, but the legs, heart, and brain. Clot symptoms can include chest pain. We do notice that there is a larger a number of blood clots noticed with patients who have had COVID. Exactly how that comes about is still under investigation. Other symptoms can include lightheadedness, out of breath, tenderness in leg, swelling in leg. Blood clots can be deadly, so seeking medical attention immediately is paramount, but not everyone does. We are noticing uh, some level of hesitancy, for example, to seek medical attention. Those symptoms are one of blood clot. We definitely want them to, to present themselves and be assessed. Even before the pandemic, one in four Canadians died of blood clots. With the numbers on the rise, St. Paul's Thrombosis Clinic is holding an information session on Zoom this Thursday. But the information is going to save lives, so we highly encourage the public to attend and learn about blood clots. As for Jordan, who still struggles with fatigue six months later.
0: Yeah, I want people to take this a lot more seriously, People, especially people in my, around my age group. I know everyone's getting pretty tired of COVID, but it's... Uh, It's a very real thing, and it is not just a flu.
14: Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
0: Still ahead, a future Canadian country music star discovered on TikTok.
14: All the labels were just
16: like, who are you? Why don't we know who you are?
0: What Robin Ottolini thinks of her newfound fame.
2: And in sports, chasing Claypool, the Canadian wide receiver playing a pivotal role in the Pittsburgh Steelers' unbeaten streak.
0: Watch the Global News and 980 CKNW
7: Leadership Series every Saturday and Sunday in partnership with Fortis BC, Energy at Work.
2: Call it the Grinch bylaw. A nightly dimming of Christmas cheer is the subject of a motion before North Vancouver District Council tonight.
0: The motion would require homeowners to turn off their Christmas lights by 11 p.m. every night. Now, the proposed new rules also give police and bylaw officers the powers of inspection and enforcement, the mayor says the new bylaw would only target large-scale light displays. You know, like the Griswolds. Not simple strings of Christmas lights. But one DNV councillor is calling the whole plan ridiculous.
15: We've only had three complaints over the past five years about Christmas lights. And so I don't really think this is a item where council needs to spend our time. We've got important issues. We've got a childcare strategy that's coming up tonight. We've got housing and transportation. We've got our response to the COVID pandemic. These are where council should be spending our time, and those are the issues we should be focusing on.
0: And according to BC Hydro, keeping six strings of LED Christmas lights on for six hours a day for the entire month of December will add about 28 cents to your power bill. Switch to LED. They're better.
2: Christmas cheer. We need right? something to, keep that's right. <laughs> to light up our lives these days. Why turn off
0: anything that provides joy to people, right?
2: Right now. Yeah, that's for sure. All right. Uh, meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now from the North Shore with a word on weather. And I don't know if we'll have any bright spots in the forecast uh, in the short term, Christy.
12: Well, we do, but not tomorrow, that's for sure. Tomorrow's going to be a stormy one, everyone. Pull out your gumboots and your rain jackets and certainly make sure the kids are dressed appropriately tomorrow. Let's talk about snow, though, first, because we have a snowfall warning for Pine Pass. 20 centimetres expected overnight and through the morning hours tomorrow. The other routes, not very much, but still wintry conditions. And when we look, if we push it forward and look at the snow forecast, we also have that uh, snowfall expected near Stewart. Significant amounts expected overnight. There is a warning in place for that region. Meanwhile, southern regions, not a lot, but certainly some snow overnight before it changes over to rain through the morning hours tomorrow. I want to note, though, with the system that's driving down the coast for our region, just showers in the morning, but that will change over to periods of rain heavy at times through the latter part of the day. And we're also expecting gusty conditions. So the commute home from work tomorrow will be a slow one. And we're expecting significant snow on all of the coast mountains, especially up towards Whistler and East. East of hope so be very careful if you're uh, doing any backcountry skiing tomorrow tomorrow's not a good day that's for sure there you go there's your forecast for southern bc snow changing to rain whereas the south coast will see periods of rain but again the heaviest parts will be in the afternoon tomorrow gusty conditions near the water at gusts up to about 70 kilometers an hour for your Wednesday, though, that's the dry, bright spot. We do have showers in the forecast from the morning, but we should see some breaks of blue sky in the afternoon. And here's your weather window for tonight, your Centra Windows weather window from Edward uh, in Prince George. You said the sun was going down. There was this cool mist, and he had to t- capture the shot. Thanks, Edward, for sharing that with us.
0: Beautiful shot.
2: All right, Squires here. Now everyone's a Pittsburgh fan suddenly out in Abbotsford.
8: Well... Since, uh, since day one of the season, Chase Claypool of Abbotsford was confident heading into his first NFL season with Pittsburgh, but even he's surprised at 10 touchdowns in 10 games.
15: Definitely the, uh, the transition would have been uh, a little bit longer. His
8: learning curve is kind of on the same trajectory as SpaceX, and it's helped the Steelers stay
0: unbeaten this season. Also coming up later, the Canadian TikTok treasure who just punched her ticket to Nashville. Sky seems to be the limit for Abbotsford's Chase Claypool. Here's Squire with sports. So far, uh, here is something
8: actually about Chase Claypool. He doesn't know what it's like to lose a game in the NFL because he plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers and they are 10-0. And since there were no exhibition games this year, Claypool has only played 10 games. All wins. 10 is also how many touchdowns he has scored in his rookie campaign. Eight through the air and two running and that included a touchdown yesterday in the Steelers' 27-3 win over Jacksonville. This was touchdown 10 for number 11, which is the most by a rookie after 10 games since 1960. But Claypool has done more than just get touchdowns. He's also causing pass interference penalties because of his size 6'4 238 it's almost impossible for a lot of defensive backs to keep up with him and claypool knew his size would serve him well in his first season
15: oh no i definitely i thought i was going to do that i knew i was going to measure up uh, physically and if there's a corner barrier than me then um, then damn but uh i i was uh, i was expecting that too
8: but ben roethlisberger says claypool has to learn not just to be satisfied with getting penalties against him.
15: And, and I reiterate that to him. Um, the penalty's nice, but, but we'll take the touchdown. And he's working through, um, you know, fighting through guys holding on to him because he's such a big body and strong and runs. And um, he's going to keep growing in that area because uh, he's special down the field.
8: At 22 years old, Chase Claypool is the youngest of a very young set of talented receivers in Pittsburgh. Both Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster are only 24. Tight end Eric Ebron is positively ancient at 27 years old, which maybe gives him the wisdom to know that this crew's future
0: is extremely bright. We have so many talented young receivers, and I keep saying every day, like when these dudes get older and they understand the the more intricacies and the more nuances to the route running and things like that, Uh, This room's going to be crazy. I mean, they might not all be here, because they all special,
1: but they're going to be crazy athletes.
8: Boy, they should really cut down on Tom Brady's screen time. He's got work to do. It's game time. Buccaneers and Rams. Robert Woods is open. Is he ever. Touchdown, 7-0 for the Rams. Now watch Mike Evans here. He gets his pass from Tom Brady. Talk about not being denied. One guy's on him, two guys are on him, no! He won't go down until he crosses the goal line to tie it 7-7 early in the second quarter, 17-14 Rams at halftime. Well, the BC Hockey League wanted to start their new season in early December, December 2nd, but that plan, like so many other plans in this process, has been put on hold until mm, possibly December 8th, maybe later, um, it's obvious December 8th or any date really is tentative, which means the league and other leagues around this province have to be as flexible as Play-Doh.
7: Benson, looking cross ice, a good feed, a seeing eye pass, and Briggs Gamble is robbed, a beautiful stop from Aaron Trotter.
15: B.C. Hockey League teams have been playing exhibition games for the better part of a month now, But with new COVID restrictions in place, the pre and regular seasons are now on hold. We had our regular season starting December 2nd and it's been put off now till December 8th because the restrictions on travel are till midnight of December 7th. So we have always adhered to the PHO's orders and we're going to continue to do so. The BCHL has been in constant contact with the provincial health officer when it comes to ensuring a safe playing environment for its teams and players. Visors have been swapped out in favour of full face shields, and well into a month of exhibition action, there's only been one positive COVID case involving a player.
7: So dangerous, backhand scores!
15: One of our players ha- reported that his girlfriend had uh, a positive test, and he went to the coach and said, should I get tested? The coach said, you're in isolation right now. And yes, you're getting tested. He did test positive, but every other player on his team tested negative. Every other player on the teams that they had played tested negative. So we think our protocol, protocols have worked very well in exhibition season, and it has given us an opportunity to trial them for the regular season. All of the exhibition games have been played in empty rinks. However, that doesn't mean no one is watching. The league's online streaming service has seen triple the amount of people viewing. Come December, even January, the league remains hopeful it'll have a product to showcase. We want the PHO to feel strongly that our kids are in a safe environment. And uh, we're going to try and have a season. And, and every effort has been made to, to make sure that it's a safe one.
8: I've said it before, that man invented satellite debris. Oh, is that that? that oh, is? Oh, yeah. Chris Hebb. It was his idea. There you
2: go. Let's check in with Jay Durant for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jay?
8: Thank you, Soph. Tonight we'll tell you what the District of North Vancouver decides when it comes to its Christmas lights by law, plus the next phase for cyclists versus cars in Stanley Park. The Vancouver Park Board meeting tonight to discuss the next steps and whether to keep two lanes open to vehicles despite opposition from some groups it comes as employees at the Vancouver Tea House say a lack of vehicle traffic in the park may have played a part in an increase in break-ins. Commissioners will also be talking about the bid to consider Vancouver for the 2030 Winter Olympics. Those stories and more tonight at 11.
0: All right, sounds good. Thanks, Jay. All right, coming up, how singing about a Ford F-150 pickup truck made a country girl from Ontario famous on TikTok. Next.
2: well, that's the furthest from country you could get, Yeah, that dance music. But an Ontario musician is still in disbelief after a TikTok video she made of one of her country songs went viral.
0: Yeah, and it's what happened next that could launch her country music career to a whole new level. Global's Fraser Snowden has more. When 25-year-old Robin
10: Ottolini posted a sample of her song F-150 on TikTok, she had no idea it would take off.
16: And then everybody started to use my sound, and it went from like 1,500 users using my sound to like 35,000 people using my sound. And it was like pretty surreal because I started getting tagged in a bunch of videos.
10: It went viral on streams like Spotify and other services, but it wasn't just TikTok users paying attention to the Uxbridge country music artist.
16: Yeah, all the labels were just like, who are you? Why don't we know who you are? Then I seen an F-150...
10: The song about a breakup and the pickup her ex drove ended up sending her on the road to Nashville.
16: They were just like, oh wait, no, we like her as a person and an artist, not just the song. So um, that's when all the conversation started, and then I signed with Warner Music Nashville.
10: Normally, she'd be meeting with label executives by now, but due to COVID-19, Ottolini is still here, so she still has to pinch herself.
16: When I go to Nashville and meet everybody, I'll be like... Oh, I signed, I signed an American record deal. This makes sense. <laughs> but right now, no, I have, it's not hitting me.
10: Ottolini says music has been her lifelong passion and started writing at just 13 years old. Her parents, who have supported her the whole way, couldn't be happier.
16: I'm really, really proud. I, I just I, I guess it's very surreal.
10: With quarantine locking everyone down, music expert Alan Cross says having TikTok is another way talent can be found.:
0: This is a good way to to uh, search for new talents and maybe find somebody that you can develop in time for when all the vaccines come online. Cross
10: says he expects a lot of quarantons to come out in the near future
15: we're probably going to end up with more music than we know what to deal with because everybody has been
0: locked down with nothing to do.
10: I'll try that course again. No. Why don't we hit that course again? Now Robin and her team are working in overdrive as they get ready to launch a new music video and begin her Nashville journey. Fraser Snowden, Global News.
0: Quarantunes. I like that phrase.
2: <laughs> Very clever. Mm-hmm. It's a
0: good name for an album. <laughs> yeah.
2: Like uh, Looney Tunes, mm-hmm. but Quarantunes. <laughs> All right, uh, final word on the weather from Christy.
12: Thanks. Well, it's kind of like Looney Tunes and Quarantunes here at our household, all (laughs) wrapped in one. Uh, Tomorrow, it's going to be a stormy one. Showers changing over to rain. Uh, Gusty winds expected through much of the day. I would leave yourself extra time for both your commute to work, but especially from home, from work. But a bit of sunshine, at least on, on Wednesday.
15: Look forward
0: to that. All right. Thanks very much, Christy. And thank you for watching, everyone. Have a great night.
12: Night, all.